0: Welcome to the Rebecca Pandapinto Project. Today, I'm excited to interview Fred Arger. Fred has over 35 years of experience as an entrepreneur, a retail executive, and an investor. He has worked with the likes of Target, Sports Authority, Toys R Us, as well as Barnes and Noble, and is responsible for several different roles from CIO to Chief Digital Officer. Specifically, Fred has been able to drive digital transformation within these brands, and he shares those experiences with us today. Fred has also been able to maintain a passion for his music. He actively works as a studio musician, writer, producer, and performer. And today he'll share some really cool stories with us where music and tech collided for him. Enjoy the show. Hey, Fred. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Rebecca. How are you?
0: I'm well. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Great to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited. Love the background there. Looks very professional.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Is there a story behind that impact?
1: There is, there? this is the, um, I'm in St. Paul right now. I'm on the 19th floor and I can see as far as I can possibly see. It's wonderful. It's cold. It's snowing. It's beautiful. Ironically, when I was on the 19th floor, when I was officing in Manhattan, um, I didn't get any vision, right? <laughs> it's just glass and cement. So it's really beautiful, really sort of tranquil, but really cold outside.
0: Yeah, no, I feel you. I love this artwork though, too, about impact. Is there a story behind
1: yeah. Yeah. I had an executive coach 20 years ago, roughly, uh, who said, what do you stand for? And I was talking and talking and she said, you ever show that to people? Hmm. And I said, well, that was interesting. And she said, well, you, you need to establish your leadership beliefs. And that's what these are. I have 14 leadership okay. beliefs. And what she said is the goal is people should be able to see your leadership beliefs without even meeting you and understand what you stand for. And since then, every office I've had, I've had these up and they always generate some conversation or some reminder that sort of anchor me back to, look, we're all continuous learners and you know, life is about learning and so forth. So I call these my leadership leads. And when I mentor folks, I really challenge them to create their own set of leadership leads as well.
0: Oh, well, that's so cool. And it serves as a good representation and probably reminder for you too. Yeah. Since I'm sure you spend a lot of hours in that office.
1: I do. And you know, it's, it goes all the way four sides of that. So there's a lot more there, but those 14 pieces are really an anchor for me. We all have anchors, right. And things that we've learned and which, which establish how we perform. And that for me is a nice anchor. And I use that. I would say every day, Rebecca, as I'm talking to someone or mentoring or coaching or something, there's always a reference somewhere there because every one of these come from a personal failure. Mm-hmm. And so we learn from failure. And so I, I've got enough failure to pass around that I, I'm able to talk about these and be somewhat meaningful.
0: I love it. Well, yeah, you we spent a lot of time I know in St. Paul, but in Manhattan, made a big impact within the retail industry. I want to dive into all the different facets of all the adventures, maybe the entrepreneurship experiences that led to some of these failures, but, but the primary focus today on what you've been able to accomplish in retail, because I think that's super impressive. You have some incredible brands, uh, Target being one of my favorites, uh, but spending time with Barnes and Noble, Toys R Us, Sports Authority, like super impressive, and you've been able to make a huge impact within the retail space. So I want to get your perspective as we start our conversation today around what digital transformation has meant for you throughout these experiences. If you made it, as you made an impact within retail.
1: Oh, great. Well, I started in the digital world as an entrepreneur in 1992. So when I started, no one had any idea what I was talking about. And I've been fortunate to be able to have seen the evolution that's really transpired. We evolved from wanting to innovate all the time because there weren't solutions out there. And we look a little bit over our shoulder about our competitors and see what we're able to copy. Um, but now there are so many more options, right? And things are moving that much more quickly. As an example, we're seeing a lot of what I, what I'm seeing is a lot, you know, post COVID here, not going to, but hopefully post COVID that people are really leaning in, you know, they realize companies realize their shareholders and their consumers have been impacted by COVID their bottom line has been impacted by what they offer to their consumer. And so there's this sort of rush to right-size the digital footprint to continue to drive shareholder value. So what I've, you know, that has been a really a 360 for me Mm -hmm. to go from, my goodness, how do we create a website? Um, When I started creating websites, we were doing two-page websites, the logo on the front page and the hours they were open on the second. We never thought it would be transactional, but here we are 25, 30 plus years later and we are doing some incredible things, aren't we, in this world, mm-hmm. in uh, digital. So that evolution um, has been exciting. I just feel feel blessed to have been able to witness it through my career. Um, mm-hmm. But I spend two hours a day reading because okay. there's always something out there to learn. And mm-hmm. everything digital right now is whether you're talking about the security complement to it or, you know, the... the uh, the different channel opportunities within digital, the complement to brick and mortar digital and so forth, critical to all of our businesses. So, been really, been it's just been absolutely thrilling to be able to live through this.
0: That's awesome. I can see you being the guy in the past that was like, we got to do X, Y, Z, and like a two-page website sounds extremely innovative and (laughs) people are freaking out. And now it sounds like, especially with the pressure of COVID, it's like, how fast can you innovate? And there's almost like the business is trying to move a step ahead of IT and IT is trying to catch up. So where have you found that balance between like still leaving space for innovation and you still obviously want to show up and be the guy that's like, I've got the new thing that's going to change retail, but also now the demands of the business being like, you need to keep up. I want the Amazon experience for everything.
1: Yeah. You know, that is the challenge, isn't it? And, And I think a lot of it is education. As we're learning in IT, we have to, our business is learning too. They're interested as well. We can learn from them, they can learn from us. So that partnership I think is even more critical than ever. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, having realistic interpretations of the value proposition of what these fancy things that we're hearing about. And they might be fancy, but many of them aren't. Dropship, Marketplace, these are really exciting things. So being intentional, with what the cadence of those investments are, I think it's really required us to have even a broader relationship within the the business community. Um, We also have, you know, we're still dealing in IT with some legacy, you know, environments. So we do have headwinds that are coming at us given technology, in some cases, resource limitations is the first time we've really seen that I've seen that people are in high demand now that they can work from home. It's a whole new world. Um, They don't need to be in the office. I've got people who've worked for me for two and a half years. I've never been in the same country or the same state or the same city. So, and that's okay now, but it collectively that it's changed. And I feel like we're on this fast, fast, faster pace of, of innovation. And it's really driven by the consumer. Um, right now, you know, it used to be where we would create a good idea and hope the consumer would follow. Now the consumer's pulling us. It's no more a push, it's a pull. And we need to, we need to listen to her and we need mm-hmm. to respond.
0: That's good. Yeah. That would be my next question of balancing like the end user that you serve, which in this case is the person in the retail store and the business that you serve and how they want things. And those are two very different competing agendas and scenarios but it sounds like with customer consumer first then it'll kind of wrap back around and the business can settle in or, or catch up in that scenario as well
1: yeah it sounds like a cliche, a cliche but I, we often say put the customer in the middle of every conversation okay it's important and and play to win yeah. we we want to play to win in it we want to deliver those functions to the business, but we also have to keep a mindset that if the consumer doesn't care about what you're developing, maybe you need to have another conversation about maybe you should be doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's also a sequence of things that obviously have to happen for something ultimately to be effective, but it's different and we're moving much quicker.
0: Yeah, that's good. What about the difference in the personas among consumers? Cause I mean, I look at your background, Target, Sports Authority, Toys R Us, Barnes & Noble, those are different audiences. How do Barely. you find the nuances of these different people and how they want to interact with your brand?
1: That's that's part of the exciting thing about retail, isn't it? Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. different retailers have different, different uh, uh, value propositions to their consumers, which means you have different consumers and so forth. For me, that's really the exciting part mm-hmm. um, in diving in. I think one of the things that's worked for for my teams uh, over the years has been in staying close to the consumer, have a consortium, speak to okay. her, listen, have a loop back feature, <clears throat> rethink, test frequently, test always, and always bring that back for assessment. So I think even on a weekly basis, having you know multiple tests, whether it's mobile, whether it's .com, whether it's anything customer facing is really critical because exactly to your point, you never really know. And it's always funny, every time we do this, I can guess. I try to guess what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. I'm usually wrong, I mean, it's she wants this, she doesn't want that. Please don't do this, this I don't understand. And that is the criticality I think of listening to the consumer, much like Mm -hmm. we listen to our business partners. So we tailor something that's actually relevant. Mm.
0: Which are the harder demographics to serve when it comes to retail since you have this wide range of experience is it the the toys r us audience is it the target audience what are those personas that are maybe the harder ones to get an open feedback loop built with
1: uh it was the Barnes experience really yeah so i mean target is target target has everything hundred thousand square foot stores that everybody you know loves um toys was great because we had babies are us and toys are us. So, who doesn't want to deal with moms and kids? Um, so, it was fantastic. Um, sports Authority is about sports. If you love sports, you gotta love Sports Authority, Academy sports, everything else that's, that's out there. Um, bars was great, but it was more of a niche, niche market. We were known for books. At Target, we're known for books, but we're known for everything else. You know, there was a uniqueness about the breadth of the assortment uh, for Sports Authority, and certainly the massive breadth of assortment and registry experience that encompassed the Babies R Us and Toys R Us experience. So, yeah, that niche market is the one that, I, that was that really required us to dive a little bit deeper and have mm-hmm. a better finger on the pulse of what was happening. Plus, in the book market, there's new books coming out every day. Okay. So, how do you anticipate? more effectively. Um, that was that was a challenge, uh, much more so than a Target or Toys R Us.
0: Yeah. And I remember my experience with Barnes & Noble was I love to go for the environment. I love to go for the coffee shop and I like to go read my book there, but didn't necessarily meant a purchase happened every time. Yeah, And so I'm sure there was a balance of like, well, you can't be a coffee shop.
1: <laughs> yeah. You have
0: to be a bookstore. Then you have all these people going audi- audible, audiobooks, e-readers things like that but there has to still be something driving them to come in the store to buy a physical book which some people i think will never give up but i'm sure that was a very specific persona that you had to speak to
1: yeah i mean there were many people that said i don't want i don't want your digital book i ran nook and they would say okay. we don't we don't want your 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 ebooks and we don't and i actually did the podcast from barnes and noble and we don't yes want, uh, is this going on? it's like okay all right, great. So it, it was a very unique, you know, I would say more of a, first of all, Barnes & Noble was a great brand, but it was more of a two-dimensional experience because it was either you, you like books, you like digital. Most people did both. Mm-hmm. The, it was evolving because new books are coming out every day, new ebooks are coming out every day. We also had a publishing business that was sort of, we were putting out uh, in, the, in, the, in the public as well. So it was, it was. Uh, As it was incredibly exciting, it was a fantastic experience, quite different from what I was used to. Yeah.
0: So thinking through all these different experiences, what is the biggest, from A to Z, you were a part of and facilitating a digital transformation that you just saw the biggest business value, maybe it was a career marker for you, and just the most memorable of like, wow, we actually use digital to completely transform a consumer or a business experience.
1: Yeah, I would say that would that would be that would be Barnes or Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. Toys R Us especially because we were a global-based company. So we had 19 countries that were also helping those teams build digital experiences. And, of course, every country is very unique in terms of holiday experience, expectations, service, and so forth. And we really had a chance to transform all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really proud of what what the team did. We we built a a marketplace, built drop ship uh, environment and everything. It was really, really an exciting, fun, fast paced area. Bars was also incredibly transformational because it was all about digitally transferring an old experience to transforming to a new experience. Remember books have been around arguably for thousands of years. So, you know, here we come with, well, let's create a digital add-on feature. Oh, we don't want that. Let's put it in a digital function on a, on a galaxy and call it a nook. We don't, we want that or we don't want that. So there was, but it needed to really be revamped. And we, we, we did a lot of that. We had to rethink all those experiences. I think sometimes we get caught up in the function, but we, but we lose sight of the experience. The customer experience is what matters. And we may clean up a function. In some cases you look back and say, well, no one was really using it. Why why did we even think that way? So in this case, I think in those those two examples, they were complete transformations that led to uh, certainly a positive outcome for our consumer as well as our shareholder.
0: Very cool. Well, and the fact that Barnes is still going strong today in the new age yeah. of book consumption like yeah. that speaks to it like you definitely were were able to drive things and, and make an impact in the market in the right time and uh, on the toys rs front i'll never forget my experience of riding the indoor ferris wheel in times square back when and that that experience i don't know if we bought toys when we were there or not to be completely honest but that's something that's like a, a formative childhood memory of that
1: experience was, so that's cool. was the big dinosaur there then?
0: Uh, I remember a giraffe.
1: Okay, a giraffe. So, yep, Joffrey.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah, like a Joffrey. big, like built-up giraffe that was like the entrance of the the Ferris wheel.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then later, I think there was a bigger sort of dinosaur, and there was a whole candy section. It's like a playland for kids. It's fantastic. It's
0: fun. Which is All cool. Right. I think bringing that experiential to retail is how you get people to actually come in the stores. Because, completely honest here. Everything in my life is delivered via my package room. I do not go to the store. It yeah. just doesn't happen yeah. unless maybe it's extremely experiential and there's a reason. And, you know, I really need something very specific that maybe I need to go get sized for or whatever. But for the most part, if I can have it delivered to my package room, that's my default.
1: Yeah. yeah I, I, I think that's, that's certainly I'm, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, the experience in watching people in that Times Square uh, area was fascinating because I would go there. We actually had a meeting room. People didn't know it. There was a meeting, conference room up in there.
0: Oh, we very have cool.
1: We'd have meetings right right in the entrance. Right above it was a conference room. But we would, uh, I would go there frequently just to learn and speak to consumers. And I would hear people say, you know, Toys R Us, FAO Schwartz, my grandparents took me here or, you know, my parents took me here. And I come here for a connection with an experience that I had some time in the past. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Really, really powerful. So it was, it was fascinating to see an experience, a consumer that had that affinity with it, with that brand. It was, it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And maybe they have a big comeback. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see what happens. Who knows? So looking forward to the future now, since you've had all these fun experiences of like leading innovation, maybe some days you feel like you're keeping up with innovation. But if you pause in your window of two hours of reading and maybe vision casting for the day, where do you see things in the future that could be game changing to retail, game changing to your career? And just that maybe you're excited about just because it's going to be a really cool experience.
1: Yeah, I sense that we're about ready to have a lot of change yeah. in this space because you've got all this cash that's coming after post-COVID to go into digital. right? Yeah. People need to compete in digital. Uh, you've got legacy that's now beginning to be cleaned up. We're talking more about that in the world. Uh, security is a brand new animal, far different than anything you know that I've dealt with 10, 20, 30 years ago, far, far different. Uh, You've got geopolitical impacts and things happening that certainly have impact. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm really excited about what happens in the digital experience from from those transformations. But also, I think it's speed to market. I think we're seeing more headless technology. We're seeing more microservices. We're seeing the ability to react sooner as opposed to, you know, get a waterfall project down and come out the other side three to four to six months later and, and then assess the value. So I think that need to move faster and I would imagine it starts even in the boardroom conversations, but we have a consumer. We see what happened with COVID. You know, economy's doing okay. We've come out of COVID, but we need to stay relevant. We need to dive into digital. If you go to NRF or you go to shop talk or any of these things, and you, you know, I remember going 15, 18 years ago uh, and there were, you know, a few thousand people there and now you can go there. I've been, interrupt with COVID for a couple of years, but, you know, and it feels like there's a hundred thousand people there. And so it is here. This is business. Business is driven critically through digital and ultimately it goes right back to the consumer. Doesn't it? You mentioned you have everything dropped off at your house. I I do too. And um, which means we need to play. We need to play in that space as a, as a brand, all brands must be taken that way. I would assume. And, and so we need to make those investments. So very, very excited. I, you know, I lived through the internet, you know, uh, since 92 um, and I saw 90 the late nineties and I was an entrepreneur um, Then going into the early two thousands where we're trying to reinvent ourselves in this space, then getting into two 2008, which set some people back. And now we, then we came out of that and now I feel like we're going into another wave of massive growth. Um, it's also really exciting to see a lot of these brand new companies uh, popping up again post COVID.
0: Yeah. I love that you've had this in and out kind of entrepreneurial journey. And I know you serve on advisory boards and things like that um, to probably just stay relevant even to serve you know your day-to-day work. But what are some other pieces about maybe the experiences with an entrepreneurship ecosystem that gets you excited about it. And I would love to even hear a story that maybe became a failure that turned into, to one of those uh, leadership beliefs there.
1: Well, let's see. Um, the, the, the experience between entrepreneurship and the retail digital world right now, I think that distance is, is, is closed. Yeah. We, think as business people. We need to think as entrepreneurs. We're in the IT space. I'm sorry, we're still business people, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that evolution's changed, certainly, that I've seen since I started in my career way, way, way back when. But, you know, life is about learning. And all these leadership beliefs, <laughs> as I mentioned, uh, come from learning. And I'll, I'll give you one example. When I was an entrepreneur, um, I unfortunately had a situation where someone was, I found out, was stealing money from work for me yeah and I had one investor and I went to the investor and I said you know I was very nervous very I was very young uh very nervous by 30 32 and um I said hey there's some news and I was very very nervous and I said um somebody's been taking money from us and his comment was I'll never forget it he sort of he had a uh, napkin in his towel. We, sort of, we were having breakfast, and he put his towel down and he looked at me, he said, well, the price of education is sometimes painful. Mm-hmm. And he never mentioned it again. Oh. It, with, what was fascinating to me, and that's one of my leadership beliefs, the price of education is sometimes painful. We have to learn. Mm-hmm. We're always learning. Mm-hmm. whether it's personal learning, whether it's team learning, whether it's company learning or learning more about our consumer. So in that particular case, it was one of those, as I said, failures that led to one of these, these leadership beliefs. They all have those stories. Um, and I'm very blessed and, and pleased that, that he took that approach. I was expecting a far different experience. <laughs> <laughs> and you get beat up a little. Yeah. He's yeah. going to come across a table at me or, you know, I'll see you in court kind of thing. And what's funny is, is about that story is he, um, he's been my mentor for about 30 years wow. and, um, a dear, dear friend. And, you know, we talked probably every other day. He's just a, a wonderful gentleman.
0: Very cool. Yeah. That speaks to his leadership maturity as well. Yeah. Like he yeah. didn't go, you idiot. And- yeah. Beat you up and yeah. and make it more painful. He said, "Up, oh, sounds like you already learned."
1: Yeah, yeah, which is great. And he never mentioned it. That's never. cool. Yeah,
0: very cool. You need people like that in your life. Yeah. So you have another very interesting facet to your career because it's a form of, of the career too, which is your music and your music passion. Um, we, you know we have that in common. As I think, being in a band is like the basis of learning how to be part of a team how to I mean work it because it is work Um, it's just an amazing experience to have growing up and for you it was family oriented and um, it's just really been a part of your life in and out but tell us a little bit about really where you find your strengths in music and how you've been able to incorporate that in your everyday lifestyle and your career as well
1: sure but as you said, I was, uh, I grew up in the music business. Both my parents were professional musicians. And so, you know, I just thought everybody played music. I just thought the whole world was musical, you know? And I first, I remember I met, I met my first childhood friend and, and his, I think his mother worked in a grocery store or something. And I said, does she play music there? Uh, I mean, it, <laughs> yes. it just seemed like everybody should be playing. It, it's really been a great thing. You know, some people on the weekends do woodworking or fix cars or play drums, Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's composing music and I love to compose, write my own music. And, and I don't really have a band. I, I mm-hmm. play all the instruments except for, except for drums. So if you're ever real, okay. um, yeah. and and that's, that's been great. Um, it's a form of meditation it's really a form of taking my mind to a different space yeah. and which is a big decompression. You probably experienced that mm-hmm. when, when you play music. But I also think that life is about leveraging what you have at the moment. And if, and, and I have a really cool story about my business and music coming together. So Mm -hmm. back, back when I was, uh, in business for myself, there was a gentleman who was brilliant. He, I really wanted to get him on the team. It was my company. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, wanted to hire him and, you know, he was him and high and and he had a newer, you know, he was one of the early flash guys. And, um, Mm -hmm. So I went to his house one day, I was calling him, and he was a musician, and um, wouldn't answer the door, I kept pounding, he opens the door, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, you just got to I apparently woke him up out of bed, this is during the week, and I come in and I just said, hey, what's it going to take to get you on board? He's like, ah, I don't know. Well, I looked over here, and there was a guitar leaning against the wall with an amplifier. <laughs> I thought, i have nothing to lose at this point, so I said, hey, what kind of music do you like? And so I grabbed the guitar and I started playing some music. All of a sudden he brings on another guitar, or plugs into a different amp, and we're playing. And finally, when we're done, I said, Imagine if we could do this together five days a week. Yes. And he said, Boy, that would be great. And I reached in my briefcase and said, here's your offer letter. And he signed. So
0: yes. music helped me a little bit in the
1: in the uh, in, in the uh, in the business world as well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. All you had to say was he slept until 10. Then I already knew he had to be playing music.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I
0: didn't need to see the guitar.
1: (laughs) I was just, I was probably envious. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Oh, what a cool story and what a cool experience. But I've had similar too. Like some people, a lot of times it didn't lead with the music. It led with we worked together and then we found out we played music. And one of my most favorite experiences in the corporate environment was winning a corporate battle of bands with a bunch of my buddies who, to this day, we stay in touch.
1: That's great.
0: I think whatever our trophy was, we won just still goes from house to house between all the guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Unfortunately, my apartment's not big enough and I don't I don't need uh, to showcase it, but they still keep tabs on it and it's a really cool memory that we had and and only forms tighter bonds between a team when you yeah. can speak. It's it's a different language, and when you can communicate with that language, it's really cool. On that kind of thought and topic, I think of like especially the composing part of music as so creative. And then what you do on a day in day out basis is a little more like ones and zeros. Do you find like a balance between that? Do you find that you're right-brained and left-brained? Is there one that's more dominant? Like where is that connection?
1: I think that that's, it's a great question. And, and and I actually find this world of it to be innovative and creative I think we've gone to a different place now and I bring a little bit, there is right, right brain, left brain brain, certainly, but that's that artistic side of creativity. Um, I don't want to push that down when I go to work in the morning, I want that to be exposed. I want to understand how we can compose value, if you will, for our consumer. And so it's a lot of what if questions and trying try and try, play, you know, Trials and in, in 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 playing out scenarios where we can add relevance. So for me, I, I find it's sort of similar, at, but it's ironic if I think about the people that have worked with me over the years. A lot of them have been musicians, yeah, right, or mathematicians, mm-hmm. or you know. So there is that sort of distinct left-right brain, right. but that creativity I think is an asset now as a yeah. as a as an IT professional because. There's, there's more solutions. You know, just quickly, Rebecca, when I started, I was a mainframe developer. And mm-hmm. I remember debating for hours in front of a chalkboard, there were no whiteboards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what vendor, because there were only two that could change a green screen blue, because one of the execs wanted to have a blue screen, not green. And we debated for hours and there were only two vendors. My goodness, on the whiteboard now, you'd have hundreds of options. So that innovative quality of, of trial and error and so forth, I think, it's, I think it's an asset.
0: That's good. Do you create space for your team to be able to express themselves that way too though?
1: Yeah, we, we do different things here where, um, I mean, I said just, just here, but in my career, what I've done is um, we have team meetings every day. Okay. And part of that is about, hey, what if we have all team meetings once a week where we talk about what if we talk about giving shout outs to people across the organization. One of the one of the mantras that that I sort of use in in my world is we're a team of one. So I can have a vendor, I can have a business person, I have everybody in my office. And I said, guess what? There's no me and you or us and them. We're in this together. We win together. We will fail, but we're going to go at it together. And so that's sort of how the teams through the years have sort of leaned in, which is great because it creates an environment of focusing on winning and not fear of failure. Yeah. Um, everyone who has worked for me for many, many years, the first thing they hear from me on day one is if you're not begging for forgiveness three times a quarter, you're not meeting my expectations. Wouldn't yes. that be wonderful to hear? Mm-hmm. Say, like, oh, you mean I get to fail and it's going to yeah. be okay? please because it leads us to somewhere where we can be more relevant to our consumer.
0: Yeah. Well, I think just allowing people to be creative gives them more skin in the game. Like everybody talks about incentives and money and stock and all these things, how they're skin in the game. But I think for a creative person, giving them that outlet at work is super fulfilling. Yeah. And you have to give the space for it.
1: Yeah. If you see right here, Okay. That's a guitar stand. I usually have a guitar. Oh, is it? Right yes. by me. All the people around me, the guy next to me has a guitar, and sometimes they, he plugs in his amplifier. That's okay. I'll let him go. Okay. People need to have that. They need to nurture who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens is they come fresh, and they stay in that mode. And sometimes we come up with some incredibly creative ideas. Some okay. of them work. Some of them don't. That's okay. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it definitely helps with problem solving and and helping you go between that left brain and right brain and and applying where appropriate
1: you know there's there's a process that you 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 because you do this you appreciate but there's a process of sitting in with someone you've never played music with before Mm -hmm. and there's a look um and you kind of look to somebody meaning okay you play something right it's your turn same thing in software development. What do you think, right? Is there a better way to do this? And that look, I sort of recognize, um, that, that usually tells me we're onto something. We're, we're about ready to unleash something that maybe perhaps we've never talked about before, or haven't talked about for a while. Those are exciting times. And again, because we're moving so much faster now, that's so critical. And it's actually just elevated my interest in, in doing what I do. very cool. Yeah,
0: I've always thought of it in a way of figuring out where my bandmate, my coworkers, whoever I'm interacting with, like where they stop and where I start or where I stop and where they start. And it is that communication. And and there's a a look, there's bass players I've played with for years that we just know and we can communicate knowing whose strength is what and when it's time for somebody to lead and when it's time for somebody to step back. And it's the same in a corporate environment. And the more you play together, but not only play together, fail together, like have a really bad performance or like yeah. really mess something up, you get that much tighter as a group.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and there's, there's, and you learn from it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You probably don't do it again.
0: Yeah. Right? Or, you you it or you laugh it, it and off and it's relationship building. <laughs> or my little
1: secret, don't tell anybody, is that I just play it a second time and just so people think I maybe I meant to do it the For first reason. time.
0: <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. I had one uh drum teacher just tell me like not to make a face or not to react to it because 90% of people didn't catch it anyway. Only I did. Yeah. So it's like, don't bring attention to it. Maybe you and the bass player knew, but most other people were like, Oh, that was cool. There's yeah. a whole industry around people doing impro- improvised music. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I love it. And I love your passion and we'll be sure to share some of your music links for, for people to take a look at where you spend uh, also, a lot of your creative time for sure. Uh,
1: thank you.
0: So I want to wrap up with one final question now for you. And I think you have 14 to choose from, but I want to hear the one guiding principle that you've lived by to be successful in business.
1: This has been something that uh, my mentor that I mentioned uh, has, has been um, really instrumental in. But um, for years I've had this, Rebecca, and it's really simple. I live my life with integrity. I do my business with integrity. And as long as you can anchor to that, you're, you're never wrong, right? Mm-hmm. As long as you're comfortable with yourself and what you do and successes that your team does, be proud of it. And, and that's the other thing I say is be proud. Play to win. We play to win. All of us do. Yeah but then be proud and celebrate, but do it with integrity.
0: Love it. Well, you're awesome. This has been so fun, Fred. Thanks for joining the show today. Awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. We'll see you again soon.
1: All right. Thanks Rebecca. Appreciate it.